I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Hey, Celtics fans. Adam here. We recorded this podcast before learning that Kemba Walker and Robert Williams are unlikely to play in Game 5 on Tuesday night. So I wanted to add that to this intro, let you know that the this podcast does not reflect that information, and hope you still enjoy. Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's all right. I'm all fresh off the new routine of shooting some hoops right before the pod. I'm feeling like a legit Max Struess level hot right now. Let's go. <laughs> and our good friend, Mike Minkoff. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I'm ready to bring the swag and confidence like Aaron Neesmith in his first playoff series. Let's go. Let's do this. Crash. The Celtics are 1-3 and three against the Brooklyn Nets with Game 5 coming Tuesday night. That is tonight, likely, when you are listening to this. We're going to talk about the series so far, but first, we just want to touch on some fan behavior, the comments on race from Kyrie and Jalen Brown. Uh, obviously, hey, fans, can we stop throwing things at the players? Uh, I, I, uh, I disagree with Kyrie that, uh, that this is all race-based. This is not a subtle racism, Kyrie. Uh, buddy, the reason we don't like you is not because we're racist. I can't speak for everybody. Maybe there's some Celtics fans out there that are that way. Race is a massive problem in the Boston area. I am not not saying that. But Kyrie, we don't like you because you promised to stay here and then you left. And the fashion in which you did it, basically not trying hard in the playoffs and derailing that the end of that season, that's why we don't like you. We like loyalty. We like people who, who do what they're going to say. We like grit. And drive, and you haven't always displayed that. Uh, so don't get it twisted, my friend. Mike, how are you feeling about all this? Yeah, I just have um, some very quick points. I, I I don't want to kind of go into the the larger conversation about race for a couple of reasons. One of which is that the Celtics are blessed to have Jalen Brown on their team, who's who just his maturity, his eloquence as a twenty. Four-year-old man is just remarkable, um, and and the the comments that he made about uh, systemic racism and and you know the the frust the disappointment or disagreement he had with the way the issue was kind of framed in the discussion by Kyrie, I and thought, the media. And, and the media, I thought was just so impressive, so powerful, um, and I feel very fortunate uh, to be a fan of the team that he plays for. Um, so. As far as Kyrie, like, uh, you know, yes, I don't like him because of the way he left Boston. Um, I, there are probably parts of what he's saying that if he was more a, a more effective communicator, he could. There was a, there's a point there, I think. Um, he's also a petty human who stomped on the Celtics mascot. So it's like he, you know, he, he certainly makes he's unlikable for plenty of completely non-race related reasons for the Boston fan base. Um, and then, like you said, Adam, if you're throwing things at basketball players or, you know, le- levying racist taunts or genuinely harmful actions, you're horrible. Uh, you should probably be arrested. And I have 
absolutely no, you know, tolerance for you in, in Celtics fandom personally. So that's all I've got to say on all of that. And if we're going to talk about race, let's talk about, as Jalen Brown suggested, let's talk about systemic racism. Let's talk about uh, education inequity in the Boston area. Let's talk about historical uh, issues that, that are still prevalent today, economic disparities. There's a lot there. Um, let's talk about the real issues, not uh, things people uh, are saying that you are misconstruing as racist while you're playing basketball. Uh, Kyrie's got a choice about whether he wants to play games or not, and sometimes he chooses not to, and sometimes he does, and, and he needs to understand that when he decides to play, uh, he's getting paid a lot of money to play in front of people. He he is is uh, you know he, he there was one comment he made that about like we're, this is not a theater, this is absolutely theater. You are performing in front of people, and some people are going to like you, some people are not. The just because people don't like you doesn't mean that. They don't like you because of the color of your skin. Now, I don't know everything that he's hearing and everything that's being said. So to make a blanket statement like that uh, may be my mistake. Um, and if I'm wrong about that and he's he's actually hearing racist stuff, then yeah, that 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 is not acceptable. And and if that is happening, let's be better, Boston. Yeah, I think it's interesting the way he the way Kyrie is towing the line of like this shouldn't be about theater. This should be about basketball, and it should be about competition and winning and losing. And so he's doing things to kind of throw flames on both of the fires. He's stomping on the logo in, in a theatrical way. But then he's, and that also like inspires the fan base and ignites conversation and allows him to say things like, hey, we should take a look at race. And uh, cancel culture, I think, is a big part of this. And so that's kind of being challenged. And, and what role does that play in all of this? Um, so, you know, the, the fact is that the NBA right now, the players care more about the bag than the championship. They're going to secure the bag first, and then they're going to look for a winning situation. And, um, you know, there's hundreds of examples throughout the last decade. Blake Griffin's the most, the, the latest one of like a guy who's kind of been tormented in these awful places because he needed to secure the bag. Look at Kevin Love. He knows LeBron's leaving. I'm going to secure the bag. I'm going to stay in Cleveland. Why? You're obviously not making a choice towards winning. You're making a choice for money. And so when it's about the business and when it's about the theater, you know, it's less about winning. It's less about championships. And so when you ignite rivalries, I think it makes people care more. And I think that brings everything back to what this is. This should be about, which is the competition. And we should know where the lines and boundaries are. You know, when he stomps on the logo, that should ignite you And if you're a passion fan. But what does he deserve as a retaliation for that? Let's booing. be real about that. Lots right? of booing. Yeah. Just boo. Exactly. All you Let's have know to where do. The boundaries are. Voice your displeasure. Voice your displeasure by booing loudly every time he touches the ball, every time he's in Boston. And, you know, he probably won't ever come back and play in front of fans in Boston unless it's another playoff series because we all know how he's been in the past. We have already Moving spent on. too much time on this t topic, on, on Kyrie's comments. Uh, Josh, you mentioned guys not being about winning. Unfortunately, the Brooklyn Nets are all about winning. And uh, Kyrie played great in Game 4. Kevin Durant is a killer. James Harden's playing phenomenally well. I could just go down the line. Assists. Yeah, eighteen assists for James Harden and and Kyrie and uh, Durant basically dropped a forty piece each. So I guess if Tatum isn't scoring fifty, we don't have a shot. How are you feeling about Tatum and the Celtics, Josh? Well, in the last five games, Tatum has put up a fifty, a forty, and another fifty. If he had zero points in all the other games, he'd still be averaging twenty eight points a game. Um, I think that he's entering the conversation, at least for me, as one of the all-time top 20 greatest Celtics, uh, which is kind of staggering. And, and it's 
kind of along the same lines as like when Shaq was put in the 50 greatest players list uh, back in what 1995, and he was in his third or fourth year or something, and we they just knew you could just tell he was going to be on that level. So let's not wait around till he deserves it. Let's actually put him in there when we can all tell what's going on. Uh, I'm kind of ready to do that with Tatum, and it's it's nice to see this team being led by him. He's been to the free throw line 17 times, 16 times, 17 times in the last five games as well. That's been that's uh, huge. Yep. You know, that's the difference. And he waited to the playoffs to do that every single time, right? And that's a little frustrating because he's pacing himself, but Wait, it is how, what it is. How much is that him versus the refs? No, he knows he, he knows what he needs to do. It's very tiring to do that all year long. So you okay. you know, and it, it can take he, a toll on your body. It, it's it's risk injuries and you know so he talked to I Mike about how that's a problem. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things, though. I mean, he started playing, I think, a bit differently towards the end of the regular season and getting to the line more than he had been for the majority of the season. I also think Jalen Brown's injury has made him a bit more aggressive as a scorer. I don't it's not a coincidence. I'm pretty sure all of his 50 point games came after Jalen's injury. Right. So um, I'm pretty sure maybe the first one wasn't Um, so. But but certainly, I mean, <laughs> to say it's a little frustrating, Josh, that he's not doing this with more consistency is an understatement. Um, and and it, you know, I think this, as we look ahead to to future seasons, knowing that he's able to do this, and no, we don't need him to get 17 free throws a game or 15 free throws a game. But we did talk about with skepticism earlier this season whether he could even be someone that averages nine or ten free throws a game versus like seven or eight. I think I think we know now that we kind of need to continue to demand that from him as as fans, or at, at minimum he should be demanding that from himself, and coaches should be demanding it of him. Um, but he, you know he's been he's been really really good. Uh, Adam, you said it seems like we need him to score 50 to win. That was definitely my takeaway after game uh, four, which or game three, which we won, where he scored that 50 with a phenomenal uh, performance. Uh, Durant and Harden were excellent. Kyrie had an off night, and we like won by six. <laughs> it was absurd. Um, how how tenuous like the chance for us to win against a team of this stature truly is. And, and for me, and you know, I think we'll cover this a little bit more later, but this series in general has been, I think a real recalibration for me as a fan, as far as what to accept, expect from this team. Obviously this season, I had pretty low expectations coming into the playoffs, but really for the next few seasons, I think, I think just, you know, we had a great run of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals last uh, three times in the last four seasons. I would, per, as things stand now, I would be pretty surprised if we find ourselves back there in the next two to three years. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. Let's let's keep talking about this team because right now they're way undermanned. Uh, obviously, it's hard to know what the things would look like in this series, even if Jalen Brown were healthy, if Kemba had played last night uh, or the other night, if Rob Williams were healthy. Uh, I'm a, I was disappointed to not see Kemba playing. I kind of felt like, I mean, I don't know what his injury is, but if you're not going to play now, what's going on? Josh, how are you feeling about Kemba? I'm frustrated, man. I'm frustrated about the Kemba decision not to play. I feel like if you're taking the second night of back-to-backs for two years in a row in order to get to the playoffs, 
you got to grit through something. I, don't, I mean, I don't know exactly what his injury is, right? It seems like it, the team, maybe the last I checked, didn't know whether it was kind of the new contact injury or something structural related to the previous knee injuries. So obviously we want to be careful about that. And uh, maybe, maybe I'm a little too old school in this regard where like everyone else nowadays is thinking about the player's career and I'm, you know, longevity. And I'm thinking about like, this is the playoffs. Like we need, we need you, your team needs you in the playoffs right now. And so I'm a little frustrated. Are we sure we needed him? Let me, let me read some numbers for you. Uh, In the three games this season in the playoffs, Kemba has gone on average about 4.3 out of just under 14 shots per game for a uh, resounding 31.7% field goal percentage. Uh, He's shooting 17.6% from three in the three games he's played this series, getting to the line three times a game. But, you know, overall averaging just under 13 points, almost three turnovers a game, um, (laughs) 0.3 steals, so not... No blocks. No, I'm making a ton of impact on D. Uh, four rebounds, four assists. I mean, he is not helping us win when he's out there in the three games. We certainly didn't win because of him in game three. Um, now, we're over, you know, we're outclassed against this team in general. But, you know, I mean, that some of the stints, some of the best stints that we had in game three in that, in that win were with Kemba on the bench when we had, you know, longer, more effective defenders like Romeo Langford uh, in the game um, than Kemba. And, you know, the thing with small point guards is they have to perform at elite offensive level to offset their kind of defensive deficiencies. And Kemba has had glimpses of being able to get closer to that level towards the end of the regular season. I think this playoff series um combining his bad performance and this injury issue is just like kind of a <laughs> a complete death blow to any chance that the Celtics have to get off his contract this offseason yeah I, Mike you, you took the words out of my mouth regarding small point guards and Danny H's affection for those players uh Peyton Pritchard I include in that uh, and I'm sure there'll be a rotation of new <laughs> players go- going forward that Danny Ainge falls in love with who are 6'2 or, or shorter and can't guard uh, players larger than them, which is a huge problem, mostly in the playoffs. Um, so it's hard, with, even with those numbers, it's hard for me not to think that Kemba would have added something in this last game. I liked seeing how the Celtics fought um, in the fourth quarter uh, and... Um, but they just, the rotation, as we've talked about all year long, they just don't have the bench players when they are not at full strength. Um, Kemba does add something offensively. I think he's got gravity to him. I think he, he, his pick and roll and, and he's, he's been better at driving to the hoop lately. I think that draws attention and allows him to, to pass out of, of, uh, of that. Uh, Rob Williams, I think, is a huge Wait, loss. Hold on, hold on, Adam. Yeah, I, I got, I got. A, the, this brings up the issue of another issue of Kemba is that when he's really good offensively, like behind the three point line, he's re- well. I mean, he's average behind the three point line. He's good in the mid range, right. but when he's near the rim, he can't finish. And that's one of the main issues that I see with him is, you know, him and Tristan Thompson together, they both are going to play so many minutes that they have to be able to finish, and both of them really struggle to do that. Um, and, and I, I'm kind of. I mean, we can have a longer Kemba conversation later, but 
Uh, I think the contract is an issue. I think that if we were going to try to get rid of him just as a salary dump, let's say we wanted to do that, I think that even that would be difficult to do. Yep. Um, and and I'm I'm leaning towards Mike on the Marcus Smart leading this team at the point guard position. Um, and I mean I'm even to the point where you know Bill Simmons gives his list on his most recent podcast of other bad contracts around the league, and I'm like, well what about Russell Westbrook instead of Kemba Walker? You know, like what if his contract is way worse, obviously it's probably a terrible decision, but I'm thinking to myself, like we need someone with grit. We need someone who can finish. We need someone who can guard, you know, at least players a little bit bigger than him. And obviously uh, Westbrook isn't, uh, doesn't try enough on defense, but am I crazy to like start thinking in this way? Mike, are you thinking this way too? No, I, I mean, I've basically resigned myself to Kemba is going to be on the team next season because um, he, he has one more year and then an option. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I think so. Okay, that's pretty rough. Yep. <laughs> that's really rough. It's, it's like dark. 35, it's, it's very dark. Um, yeah, I mean, because I was just and trying Westbrook's to talk like myself. 46. Yeah, I mean, if you, look, I don't think Washington would have any interest in making that deal. Um, I think I think Westbrook showed over the second half of the season he's clearly a better player today than than um than Kemba um Kemba's elite you know Westbrook's a great character guy but I was I was saying this in you know relation to like other terrible contracts like John Wall who maybe could be more explosive but I'd rather have Kemba in the locker room than John Wall based on at least what what's been kind of reported outwardly um so you know, I'm thinking, I'm I'm trying to think, you know, Kemba can still be effective as a primary ball handler running out of the pick and roll against certain types of defense, defenses. Um, like that's, that's really his bread and butter. And one of the reasons among a number, <laughs> most of the rest being health and size, that he struggled uh, for about half his tenure so far with the Celtics. Um, I, I think we just kind of, yeah, get smart in that starting point guard. I still think smart can be like our Chauncey Billups um, and, or, or kind of continue his evolution towards like a Kyle Lowry type career and get Kemba as our sixth man and like a dynamic score off the bench. Um, Didn't yeah. I mention that like a year ago? It was too soon a year ago. I don't, I don't remember first of all, uh, but I also think it was too soon a year ago. But I think okay, at me, this point, it's like you, the best we can salvage. <laughs> let me ask you, ask you guys a series of yes or no questions, okay? Uh, Jason Tatum is getting double teamed towards the end of the game, and he kicks it out yes. to an open Kemba Walker for oh, three. that wasn't it. Okay. Is, the shot, is the shot going in? Kemba's shooting it? Is the shot going in? Kemba. Yeah, it's, it's going in. Okay. It gets, where it where, where is Kemba? Is he in the corner, or is he like... No, no this, is a yes, this is a yes or no question, Mike. It's a yes or no question. The ball is... Kicked out from a double team when Tatum gets doubled. Kemba's wide open for three. Catch and shoot. I feel good about shot? it. Okay. It's Marcus Smart now. Is he making the shot? It's a yes I or no less, question? I feel less good about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Percentage-wise, that's a no. I feel better I feel, about Marcus feel, Smart making that shot right now than Kemba Walker. I, I think you might be the only person in okay. the greater Boston area and fandom that, that quite feels that way, but the numbers I don't think are far off. To your point, Josh, like, I, I think your I think your eye test gut feel is probably closer. I mean, the issue with Smart 
we kind of we saw smart in this last game you know play to some of his worst tendencies but he was doing it for good reason because there was just nobody else to kind of try to generate exactly. offense and, and create so i i I don't hold it against him. I mean, he had a kind of ugly game. He tried to do too much, but there was no choice because it was Tatum and a cast of misfit toys. And Marcus Smart was trying to elevate his play and trying to step into the void left by no Kemba and no Jalen. And he's just, he's just not that dynamic, not dynamic enough to do that. Now there were some accounts that it was not Kemba's decision to sit out the last game. Uh, and it would not surprise me if the front office was trying to be safe with one of their assets that they are hoping to get some value for this offseason, uh, safe re- regarding making sure that it's not a significant injury that, that he could um, make a lot worse by playing. Uh, I, I do expect Kemba to play in, in Game 5 on Tuesday night, though. Josh, can I make a new rule for this podcast and give you a quota on the number of Bill Simmons references per month? I feel like it's necessary. Yeah, I've I've made one this month. Uh, Mike's made one this I, month. I feel like you make one every podcast. No, it seems that way because of your distorted <laughs> That's my eye test, yeah. That's my okay. gut reaction there. The stats uh, don't back that up. <laughs> can we talk about Rob Williams and how desperately needed he is, how, how much he would change – the dynamic of this team, uh, if he was available. I mean, he did not look good in the last game, healthy Um And even in the first game when he had nine blocks and played phenomenally, he was not his best self. Uh, he just changes the way this team can play. And I feel like he he's a, makes a much bigger difference than people are giving credit for. Like we, t- we just talked uh, you for a know? long time about You want to know how big? Yeah. You want to know how big the difference would be? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, basketball reference has the all-time leaders in all the statistical categories for the Boston Celtics in the history of the Boston Celtics. Robert Williams is number one in the history of the Celtics in one, two, three, four, five categories. Okay, you want to go through them? True shooting percentage, first overall. Block percentage, first overall, almost doubling the next person. (laughs) Win shares per 48 minutes. He's ahead, Ed McCauley. Defensive box plus minus. He's number one, three point four. I mean, it's 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 like I didn't realize until I actually stumbled upon this, and I was like, "What? He's number one in the in the entire history of all the greatest Celtics of all time." Yep, Bill Russell, Robert Parrish. He's better. Kevin yeah. McHale. He's better. better in those categories, very statistically. Uh, Josh, I will, I'm very excited that you have discovered and are now using Basketball Reference and. And advanced stats. Yeah, that, phenomenal. That's a shocker for me. I know. This, um, is, this is a new chapter in the podcast's history. The, uh, however, I get, wait, 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 can I, can I, <laughs> I jump in impressive. here? It's more impressive when I don't know what the stat actually is to me, <laughs> that he's number one in it. And, and just for, for, for balance, for reference, Daniel Tice is, is in the top 10 of a lot of these uh, categories as well. Yeah. Not, not to bring that up again. But yeah, Mike, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna. It was. It's. I was gonna emphasize the uh, amusement of, of your use of the advanced stats here because, you know, I was going to slightly disagree with you, Adam, on how much import you're placing on Robert Williams. Now, in Game One, we saw how much of a difference he's capable of making. He still doesn't do that every game. Like, you know, so. 
the 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 thing with him is how exciting his ceiling can be but his consistency even independent of health still leaves a lot to be desired i think and his his impact game to game um really remains pretty volatile um but so i agree with that obviously obviously we're worse when he's not healthy and i mean grant williams at least is better when he's playing at the five than anywhere else on the court very clearly uh so you know it's nice it's been nice to kind of see a version of grant williams that isn't kind of a completely (laughs) questionable uh basketball player but robert williams is obviously better than that option at the five um it it becomes harder to triple team jason tatum when rob williams is rolling to the hoop uh looking for a an alley-oop dunk Yes, uh, you do that a couple of times. You, you they stop triple teaming Tatum. Maybe and same thing is true if Jalen Brown is on the floor. Also, maybe it becomes a much more difficult decision. Okay, if you're an optimist, you are looking at this team in this year's playoffs, thinking this is a really good opportunity for the young guys to get some reps in the playoffs. Those are important minutes for Neesmith, for Romeo Langford, who started last game, for Grant Williams, uh, for Peyton Pritchard. How are you guys feeling about the the young guys and their play so far? Are we going to see a difference going forward because of this? Do you align with that optimism? Or, Mike, I remember you saying it's better to just make sure everybody's healthy going into the offseason. Let's miss the playoffs. I hope we don't make it uh, through the play-in tournament. Michael, let me go to you first. How are you feeling about the young guys? I feel fine about them. I mean – it's better it look it's better for them than to get the experience and not getting the experience um if the celtics you know i said and i maintain my number one priority for this run is no serious injuries to anybody else on the team um it is arguably worse for the celtics on the whole for kemba walker to have had the playoff performance he has had and the recurrent a recurrence of his injury or something related to the injury. It can't be unrelated entirely. It's the same knee. Um, It's arguably worse for the Celtics franchise for that to have happened than the kind of reps that Neesmith and Langford and Pritchard are getting. So, you know, I'm glad that they're not, that they're not awful. I'm not, and I'm not like, look, I don't think there's a ton of value let me let me ask you a question about this, Josh. Actually, before I'm going to ask you a question, but before I do, you know, I, I also want to kind of take you to task because I feel like Josh, with this season and this playoffs, you're kind of getting everything you wanted, and and we're talking about with the slight but pretty important exception of thinking that the Celtics were going to get this opportunity for development of their young guys while also being super competitive. <laughs> just a slight little wrinkle. Was this so before we get, or after Jalen Brown's injury? I mean, he was saying it before. After Jalen Brown's injury, um, Josh, you did temper those expectations. But I really, I would, I would question your sanity if you really looked at this series so far and thought, just we just needed a healthy Jalen Brown to compete with these guys. I just yeah, I personally don't think that's true. It's I don't unfortunate even think it, I that I don't think it's close to true. It's unfortunate that Boston sports fandom is tied to sanity, or or maybe it's not. Um, I think you know I did call in the beginning of the year that this team would upset 
um, a higher seeded team. I wanted this team. I knew things were going to be crazy because of COVID this year, and I just wanted this team to get into the playoffs and still have a you know mediocre mid mid first round draft pick. Um, and they called that they'd get to the Eastern Conference Finals with Jalen Brown, but obviously you know it, it, that's not happening, right? So it's easy to say that I'm wrong. And at the end of the day, I think that we've all seen Tatum rise to the occasion in the playoffs prove that he can play the way we all want him to play, you know, get into the free throw line like he has and putting up 50 points. Like, he's raised his level yet again. And so, uh, you know, has have anyone else on the Celtics raised their level during the playoffs? No, but that, that, that segues to what the question I was going to ask you is about the young guys, which is, I mean, how many of these guys that were so excited about them getting reps, and I think really it boils down to Langford and Neesmith, like, do we really and believe and and Rob, but he's had some reps <laughs> that got hurt. Um, but do those nine? So I, I'm actually game I'm, pretty good reps. I, I'm going to exclude Rob from this because oh, how convenient it is. Convenient. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, because I, I guess you. I wasn't I wasn't thinking of him the same way. Um, so you can include him. That's fine. But do you think are going to be part? Could be could really really be part of like the next true championship contending Celtics team as, as like a, a key cog in the rotation. Oh yeah. I mean, look, the, this is, I mean, it, it would be great if we could package up all of our young guys that have value across the league to get some superstar, like we did to, to get, you know, the big three back in the day and things like that. But I mean, I don't, I just doubt that that's going to happen. So I think that as you're kicking the can down the street and you've got Horford and Kyrie and that turns into Hayward uh, sticking around and then, you know, that turns into now Fournier with the TPE. And so now we have to keep him to keep to keep kicking this can down the road. You're just looking for these guys, for one of these guys to be insurance. Like I saw Romeo Langford as Gordon Hayward insurance. Um, but, you know, obviously, do you Fournier still see him that, that way? Uh, I mean, now I'm like, all we need is one of those guys. We need Neesmith or Langford to do it. And, you know, it's it's interesting that Neesmith's been playing better, but Brad Stevens still is going to start Romeo. And maybe that gives him a little kick in the pants and, and a little boost of energy. I mean, just imagine him hearing the news that he's going to be starting this playoff game. You know, what is he thinking? Like, I'm going to get out and, and pressure every ball I'm near. I'm going to switch as quickly as, but like, I'm going to do all those details exactly like Coach wants. Like, he's, he's going to be fired up, ready to go. And, um, you know, we, we just know that, that at least at this point, from what we've seen, Neesmith's ability to shoot the ball and defend you know, almost as well as Romeo, I, in my opinion, is, is just more valuable. Um, and his intensity that he brings on loose balls and things like that is, is also more valuable. So I think he's the more likely one right now. You know, month to month, that could change. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited about both of them. I think that just getting their feet wet in these playoffs is important. I'm not that interested in, in any opinions on Peyton Pritchard because, again, like what ultimately is he going to bring to us as a smaller guy? Like I'm, I'm looking for the guys who can switch and who can, who we can have out there, at like an end game lineup, you know, depending on how this team looks in the future. So I, I, I certainly see those guys in our future, those two. On, on, quick, very quickly on Peyton Pritchard, I, I think it's not quite just that he's small. He, he needs to either be like small and stronger and stockier, like a, a mini Fred Van Vliet. Um. 
or like you know not mini but like uh, a pseudo yeah. like he, he's not going to get that good or he needs to somehow be like more explosive athletically right there are tons of effective small point guards um that are just because they're so quick and and they can kind of get off the ground and and beat guys to the spot he just doesn't quite have the the flash or athleticism or the strength um but i think i think he can and will do all the work necessary uh to be like a a reasonably useful ninth or tenth man uh on a in a rotation of a, a pretty good or very good team um but i agree he's not like He's not what this is about. <laughs> um, yeah. He's obviously he's he's obviously getting the rookie whistle still too. You know, he, he had that up and under that up fake that got the defender up in the air, and they obviously fell on him and fouled him as he got the shot up. But didn't get the call. You know, as as Tatum is driving and getting every fan whistle possible. So that that's a piece of it too. Mike, I love how your 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 advice to Peyton Pritchard is to get bigger and more athletic. Uh, he's. I think he needs a floater. Like neither yeah. of those things are happening. <laughs> that wasn't advice. Yeah. I was saying that floater. was an issue. That yeah. it, it's not <laughs> that he's too small. Exactly. It's that he's not strong enough nor athletic enough while being the size he is. <laughs> Agreed. It, um. So, Josh, I, one of the things you said, uh, for me, kind of connects with. You know, you're, you're talking about you're excited about Neesmith and Langford. And I, and I think they, you know, I, I think that's the right orientation to have. Um, and because of what I alluded to earlier, because I think I think this this team is going to be more like, I don't know, maybe like, yeah, like almost like the um, Paul Pierce Antoine Celtics for the next few years than like the Paul Pierce KG Celtics of, you know, we are going to have an interesting cast of character around two really good to great players that are young and up and coming and kind of figuring out their way. Um, And, you know, unlike that (laughs) Pierce Antoine team, which had like Eric Williams and Eric Strickland and uh, Eric Montrose and, you know, kind of more veteran (sighs) veteran guys around them. We do have a few exciting young guys that we can kind of get, um, you know, enchanted by. But the ceiling of that team was not championship level. Right. But it was also a maturation ground for Pierce to grow into the Hall of Famer he became. And I see, I see the the next couple of seasons, you know, um, going you, trending that way. I think you hit it off the off the top, Josh. Like, what what Tatum is doing is obscene in in the best possible way. And you know, I think we feel, barring something catastrophic, he's charting a course for the Hall of Fame. Um, but this series is also showing that we just don't have the talent compared to the top teams in the East, let alone the top teams in the NBA right now. And I think, I think Tatum is showing that he can be in that top five to top 10 player conversation. Not, not too far down the road. The Celtics are going to have to navigate some challenging kind of contract situations this off season and over the next few seasons. But along the way, we have some young, exciting players that are going to continue to develop and we'll kind of see where the pieces fall. Do you guys think I'm crazy or is that how you're seeing this? Yeah, you're crazy. Yeah, 
Really? This, this team is better than than that uh, Paul Pierce, Antoine Walker team. Head and shoulders. They made are, the ECF. Are you going to let me rain, finish? Rain in threes. <laughs> yeah, they got real lucky. Um, this team is missing its second best player right now. Third best player la- last game. Uh, fourth best player for two of the games in this series. This, this is a beat-up team in a wonky season when they didn't have rest or practice. With They're a super young team. Um, I think to evaluate this team based on this season going forward multiple years is crazy. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate you. Love you. <laughs> I, I think Tatum could be in the MVP conversation next year. And if that happens, then that changes the, the trajectory of this team. Um, obviously, there are some concerns. They are clearly not at the level uh, in terms of uh, being a real contender that they were last year or the previous couple of years. But to say that they're definitely not going to be in the next two years, I, I think is wrong. Um, and Because all you need is a couple things to switch one way or the other. You, you need... Uh, a draft pick to break. You need development over the off season. Uh, I mean, the young guys on this team, aside from Rob Williams, have been mostly ineffective in this series. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they won't be in the playoffs next year. Um, and I don't think I'm being overly optimistic. I recognize um, that Marcus Smart may have slowed down a little. There's a contract situation there that Kemba's contract and play is a significant problem. Um, and and that, that could uh, severely limit this team going forward. Um, who knows what happens with Evan Fournier and his contract this offseason? There's a lot of to-be-determines that are going to uh, create the direction that this team goes in the next couple of years. But to have a conclusion at this point based on this season I think is wrong. And, and, and I don't want to be talking about it right now anyway. We've got Game 5 coming up. Uh, what do you guys think? Is Game 5 the last game in the series or the Celtics uh, ending their season on Tuesday night? Yeah, I think it's the last game. Uh, you know, if we can see more fight, any fight we see is, is, is going to be added experience for the young guys. I think it's it's not necessarily about what happens this year, but what happens next year. It's about what happens the second year of whatever process you're starting. So, for example, you know, Tatum and Brown, this is year one of them being primary ball handlers and being primary facilitators and expected to get other guys involved. And so next year, that's going to look way better, just like it will for, for you know, Neesmith in the playoffs, for example. Um, I think that Marcus Smart has been putting this team on his back, and, and that as admirable as that has been, you know, as kind of like Tatum's sidekick in this series, you know, it's just not the ideal role for him. He's He's... I think most ideal as a starting point guard or as the uh, secondary guy coming off the bench. And um, so you just down the line, you have guys out of their roles in this situation. Some of the lineups we saw in the last game were frustrating to say the least, Uh, you know, and and all we can point to is the injuries, like the lack of, of depth because of availability. So when you got Brown Walker and time Lord out, like there's not a whole lot you can do when you got these lineups out there that were, a little bit disgusted by. Um, can we talk a little bit about Grant Williams? Are you guys up for that? Yeah. Wait, can I? Can I just? Can I respond real quick? Yeah. Um, so, I, me 
questioning the Celtics' ability to compete for a championship over the next year or two, I don't think that is questioning their the talent level. I mean, or it's just, I mean, Brooklyn, like our guys are not at Brooklyn's level, and those guys are going to be around for a couple of years. Our guys are not at Milwaukee's level. Um, as good as Tatum is, I, there's a chance in two years Tatum could be around the same level as Giannis. Uh, but Giannis is a two-time MVP right now and, you know, arguably had his best statistical season ever this year. Um, Philly has kind of an identity that, that makes sense at a level that they haven't historically. And if Embiid continues to get in shape, like he's arguably a top three or four player in the NBA. I, I just think that it is extremely rare, uh, basically not, not heard of for a team led by a 23, 24, or even 25 year old to be a true championship contender. So it's not meant as a knock on the team. It's just acknowledging where we are now that we've really switched to this youth youth led model of a of a approach that we're probably going to need a couple of years to to really get the right pieces around. I mean, look at Philly a couple of years ago. Our team is really similar to kind of where they were, right? They got not bumped in the first round two or three seasons in a row bumped in the first round, bumped in the second round. And then all of a sudden now they're like a legit contender. So I think in three years we could be right back there, but I think we have some really challenging contract stuff to deal with. There's still some growth that Tatum and Brown are going to have to go through. So I, you know, I agree. I do think this team is better than that ECF team. Um, because I think, <laughs> I think Brown, uh, you know, who's the analog to Walker in this, situation is a has a much better you know kind of future trajectory than Antoine's ceiling ever was going to be um and uh, and you know I'm not gonna say Tatum's gonna be better than Pierce but uh Tatum's got off to a really strong start <laughs> so um but I but I just don't think it's like crazy I don't know I, maybe you still think I'm being crazy but I, I just don't think well, it's just, that unreasonable just imagine to say that just Im- Imagine if that team, the twin, the Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce team, had a bad Kemba Walker on that team too. But we're so not getting rid of our bad Kemba Walker for two more years. I know that team would have been better with a bad Kemba Walker on it, just like this team's better with a bad Kemba Walker on it. I can't, opinion. I can't tell if you're supporting or arguing against me with your comment. <laughs> I, I think that you're looking at the supporting cast being an issue. I think that's a commonality between the two teams. But besides that, I mean, yeah, we're led by two stars but we have better third and fourth options than that team ever did that's my opinion josh you wanted to talk about grant williams i'm out on grant williams i don't know if you guys are too i want him to be our our ninth tenth eleventh man i i feel like he's just he does some really nice things out there that i'm impressed by and he and overall it's just not good enough who's in on him when when have we been in on him that's I mean, I, I was like, definitely I like in on him for this season. But, yeah, I think everyone's where you're at, Josh, at this point, unfortunately. Out of desperation, people were in on him because there was literally nobody else coming off the bench at the beginning of the season. We needed him. But, yeah, his, this is this was the problem when we drafted him. He's, he, 
He's a bit of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. He has short arms. He's not very big. He's incredibly smart. Um, this, that's where the T-Rex analogy ends, the, uh, the intelligence. Uh, he just doesn't – He his athleticism and, and, and physical uh, limitations can only take him so far. Uh, and even if he's nailing 40% from three, uh, it's just not going to be good enough. He needs to play the five, and he's too small to play the five. Yep. I feel like you missed like a, a teeth joke somehow there, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, his roar is stronger than his bite. I don't, I, I don't know what else. Joshua, was that? Did we do a good job on on Grant? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I was uh, among uh, people who were really in on this guy. I'm done. I'm out. No, I I, I, I wanted I wanted good things for him, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty out on him. I'm out on Shemi, still, still out on Carson. Um, was anybody else annoyed at the the fans for uh, chanting "We want Taco" when yes. the team is fighting? down like 17 uh still a, a low percentage chance that they could actually get back in that game and the fans were not supporting it can i i have a yeah i'm always down on fans when they chant we want taco yeah. so unlike unlike scalabrini who kind of a he just embraced it but b he you know he's you know he's a ginger you guys can respect gingers um, like a taco the like it, the novelty with Scalabrini was more like, he just didn't look particularly athletic, which is kind of funny on an NBA court, like treating a dude that is just super, super tall, like kind of a novelty circus freak bothers me a lot. Like, it, and, and so I just really don't like the, we, we want taco chance. I think it's, it's kind of demeaning. Well, I feel like Kyrie could get on board with that. So we have now come full circle in this podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod or individually at Mike Minkoff NBA. Or you can follow Josh at Coach Motenko. And Josh, I, I understand you got some content you've been uh, might be putting out there around uh, your draft big board. Yeah, the, the big board is up. I got the first 65 players ranked in order in my opinion of, of their talent level right now so uh hit me up on twitter if you disagree just an overachieving motenko for today uh if you're still listening you are a true part of celtics pride thanks everyone